It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. The right-hander Anderson will look back toward Campbell at second base. Now with 2-1. Swung on and the ball hit well. This one out to deep left center. Back to the warning track. You can say goodnight to it. Gilmet put it between the big video board and the hitter's backdrop near the light standard. A two-run homer to put Texas on top here in the bottom of the first. The 1-2. Swung on and the ball hit well out toward right. This with Carey. Back to the warning track. Say goodnight to it. Downtown Porter Brown strikes again. His eighth home run of the season drives it over the right field wall, and it's three to nothing, Texas. The right-hander Drake Boggin with a pitch swung on ground ball, hit through the hole on the left side of base hit. Rounding third, being waved to the plate is Jared Thomas. He'll score. And Dylan Campbell now two for two. 26th RBI of the year, an RBI single on the left side extends the Texas lead to four-nothing. But four runs across the plate, and it's now a 7-0 Texas lead. There's a ball down the left field line off the bat of Jared Thomas. This will score two runs for sure. Porter Brown will stop at third base. Thomas, an opposite field RBI double to bring home two more runs, and it's 9-0 Longhorns. 3-2 swing and a miss, and Kobe Minchie ends his night with an exclamation point, his second strikeout as he gets Miller Lattisaw to end the inning. As the 0-1 pitch to Gilmette is swung on, and that is through on the left side as Bisi couldn't handle it. In the score from third is Kennedy stopping at second is Powell. Gilmette drives it through, and now it's 12-0 Texas. 0-1 pitch, and that's hit, and it's tailing away. That is going to fall in, and it's going to go to the wall. It got past the diving center fielder, Logan Britt. Here's Thomas. He'll hold it third with a triple as the Longhorns get a couple more runs in, and Texas now leads it 14-0. One ball, two strikes to count. Here's the stretch from Charlie Hurley and the one-two pitch to hold it, Rook. He hits it on the ground a short. Could be two. A flip to second for one. Barehanded flip. The relay to first in time. Flores to Daly to Constantine, and the inning's over. And that was some pretty defensive baseball put on by the Longhorns. One-two pitch, and that's hit on the screws out toward deep right center, and that is going to fall in for extra bases. Ballou will stop at second base, driving in two with a double. Max Ballou drives it into the corner, and the Longhorns now lead 20 to nothing. The gap, and that is going to get beyond Ace Whitehead, and it's going to get Abilene Christian on the board, I do believe. Here's a throw back. Now O'Hara is going to relay it. Here comes the throw to the plate. The tag is there, and he's out. How about that? Wow. One ball, two strikes, two outs. This is a ground ball, and this one's going to go back behind second, up with it, a throw to first in time to get Nielsen, and the game is over. In seven innings, the Texas Longhorns, by mutual agreement of the coaches, win this one in seven innings. Nice 6-3 ground out to end the ball game. In the seven, no runs, no hits, and a man left. Final score in this one tonight. In seven innings, the Texas Longhorns 20 and the Abilene Christian Wildcats nothing. You know, our um, 
My producer Cameron Parker did an outstanding job of the edit there. If he had, and I'm thankful that he did not, if he included all the bases loaded walks and hit batters and stuff like that, we'd be uh, bringing you the montage for the next 20 minutes. So, uh, fortunately, that was not the case. What was the case was a 20 to nothing Texas win last night in seven innings. And you heard me say by mutual agreement, that's the deal where it, it's not like with the Big 12 rule on getaway day on Sunday when if you're up by 10 or more after seven, the ball game is over. No, this is one of those deals in the non-conference where one team gets up by double digits and you start to get to the middle innings and it's not looking like the margin's going to drop below double digits, especially as it got to 14 to nothing and 15 to nothing. And that's where there's communication between the two dugouts uh, on behalf of the two head coaches. I don't think they're the ones doing it, but there's a conversation going, hey, you want to call this after 7, especially given the fact also it's a Wednesday night game and Abilene Christian is to get on a bus and head for the Valley. They got to go to Edinburgh. They're, they're, uh, I think they were going as far as New Braunfels last night and then uh, staying there, and then they were going on to uh, UTRGV for a weekend whack series. So uh, Longhorns handled their business. He went last night. Good morning and welcome to Light the Tower here on the Horn 1049 1019 AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig White. Glad to have you with us. Jeff Howe is here, and he was just here a second ago in the studio, and he just disappeared. <laughs> oh, okay. He's coming back in. Did he have to take a call, uh, Cam Parker, our producer? Yeah, there's some exciting stuff brewing in the 40 acres right now. Yes, so there I think is. it may, may have to deal with that. I, I uh, you know, didn't know if it was that or a bathroom run, you know, so what, that, yeah, that wasn't, never know. wasn't certain about that. But uh, in any event, yeah, there's there's stuff going on that we'll, we'll get to. There's a lot to get to. Um, basketball, baseball, football, there's some uh, things to get to as well. So, um, yeah, that's uh, it's good. Meanwhile, uh, yeah, uh, Longhorns win that game last night, so they're now twenty-seven and twelve, and get ready for the Oklahoma Sooners. This is going to be another one of those deals where you have a team that comes in that is better than the record shows, and it is a rivalry series. Uh, so even at first blush, and I mentioned this on the broadcast with Ty Harrington last night, when you look at the standings. And you see Texas sitting on the very top of the Big 12 standings and Oklahoma down at the bottom. You think, okay, and it's at home. Yeah, that's a, that's a must sweep, right? The, the normalcy of response and reaction to that would be to say, yeah. But we know that Texas and, Nor- and, and Oklahoma is not your normal uh, Big 12 conference meeting in any sport football or basketball or baseball or softball or, or golf or ta- tennis or track and field, whatever it might be, uh, it is that part of the rivalry as well. And I might also point out Oklahoma, they're not to desperate straights yet, but they're in enough trouble where there is a real sense of urgency for the Sooners to make sure they get on the stick to make the Big 12 Conference tournament. Because remember, only the top eight teams make the tournament in a nine-team baseball playing league. Of course, Iowa State didn't play baseball. So in nine of the ten teams that play baseball in the Big 12 next year, it'll be 13 of the 14 who play. And uh, Oklahoma's at four and eight. Uh, and so uh, they're right now they're a game and a half back of Baylor. And it might as well be two and a half back because they lost the tie break uh, to Baylor because they lost two out of three in Waco a couple of weeks ago. So 
crucial times there for Oklahoma as they come in. That's why the, it'll be a pretty intense weekend. So, uh, back in the house. Uh, back I had in to take here. a phone call. Sorry. I didn't know if it was that or to use your term, if you had to go pot pot. No. Nope. I didn't know if it was the one. Uh, no, it was, uh, it was uh, potty-related activity, though, because at uh, the my house I lived in in Buda, we're yeah. renting it out and needed a... I had a crapper issue that needed to get fixed over there. Really? Yeah, it has a simple fix, but, you know, I got to pay the bill and whatnot. So yeah. I had to step out and take Okay. Care. All right. Everything's good. So it was a pot pot issue, just not Just not mine. Not mine per se. It's mine. Not your body. It's not the biology of your body, according right, to, right. as our friends at Total Men's would say. We'll call that a uh, uh, doo-doo adjacent issue, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what's so, going on in my rental property, but. Uh, Toilet's fixed. So someone on the uh, specs text line said wanted to possibly see Cameron O'Bannon uh, late in the game because of the blowout. Unfortunately, I understand the circumstances. Yeah, if 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 the game had gone beyond seven innings, you would have seen Cam O'Bannon out there uh, because virtually everybody else practically got out there. Just about other than some pitchers. It's kind of like in the Major League Baseball All Star Game where they get everybody in, but not all pitchers get in into the game. And especially in the case of last night, because it was the run rule thing uh, that the coaches agreed upon there uh, once it all got out of hand. So uh, that's that's why. But to see Kate O'Hara out there and make a nice relay to the plate, yeah. by the way. Cam Constantine picked up his second hit ever as a collegian uh, and as a Texas Longhorn uh, to, to see basically the entire infield swapped out and the entire the, – the uh, only – remaining guy that was in there was Ryland Galvan and the only reason he stayed out there is because basically they were out of catchers because Garrett Gilmet had DH'd now mm-hmm. he got lifted uh for Preston Hoffert who could have gone in behind the plate right. if they needed to do that but clearly they weren't going to need to do that on that so anyway there's uh some baseball stuff uh, somebody asked me, how long have I been at ARN? January of 17, so a little over six years. Uh, or, or, or uh, I guess February. February 1st of 2017 was was my, what does they say, start date of start employment. Date, yeah. yeah, start date was February 1st of, of 2017. So just past uh, the six-year mark uh, pretty recently there. I had a, I had a conversation uh, a couple of years ago with, Somebody that was trying to tell me at 24-7 that I needed to take all of my vacation that I had available. And I was like, well, you realize my start date goes back to when I started with 24-7 pre-CBS acquisition. And I was here day one. So my accrued time starts August August 1 of 2010. So if you want me to take all the vacation time I have available, I'll see you at Christmas. So all of that got to flip yeah. over to I carry like, so, over. I was like, I'll, I'll take, I'll take my week and a half, and we'll, I'll see you in about ten days. Okay. <laughs> uh, take all your vacation you have available. Well, how about no? How about I don't? Don't want to. <laughs> okay, that's that's good. Speaking there, of just reminded me of start dates and end dates. But uh, no, good, uh, good morning on the forty. Uh, you know, we're a week away from the draft, which that's. That's the bulk of what I want to talk about in the Longhorn Notebook because okay. there was an ESPN uh, article, uh, ESPN.com article on Bijan this morning, and I just want to get into Bijan and look okay. at where he's projected to go because we don't. I'm not in tomorrow, and we don't talk a ton of draft as it is. Right. So 
figured today would be a good day to do that. And obviously we'll get into the Max Aismas visit, talk a little Texas basketball portal. Uh, nothing really brewing in the football portal, Craig, because Texas right now, they're at 85. So they'd have to lose somebody to add somebody. Yeah. And you can't go over 85. You When, when you got right. your full complement, you cannot be over 85 at any point in time. At any point, yeah, no so, matter what. Uh, they got to lose, lose one to add one, and I don't. I mean, I'm sure they're going to lose somebody. I just can't tell you for sure who it is. Yeah. Uh, and I think one one thing I will say, though, I keep, keep this in mind about grad transfers. If you're a grad transfer, you can enter the portal whenever. There's no restrictions on when you can or can't enter the portal. So you could get maybe, I don't know, maybe like to August. Mm-hmm. And if you decide, well, you know, I've, I've graduated or I'm graduating in semester, but I don't like where I'm on the depth chart, eh, I'll just I'll just put my name in the portal and finish out. Yeah. Yep. You know, unless it's a situation, I mean, this that once you enter the portal, I think this is kind of the, the gift and the curse of the portal for players. The school has the option on whether to continue your financial aid or not. That That's point. correct. Like, I believe Bear Alexander, when he went in from Georgia, it showed that his financial aid had been canceled. Yeah. They were showing it's canceled. Yeah. So he needs a home ASAP. Which, by the way, he's on taking an official to USC this weekend. I don't think that should surprise anybody. But Right, right. It's a uh, long way to say nothing going on, really. The football portal, basketball portal, we'll get to it and then talk some bees on next segment. Uh, well, uh, toward that end, on the Specs text line, somebody said, uh, Jeff, you teased this man. Breaking news that he's on campus. I was hoping that he committed. I'm definitely more anxious about this basketball squad than I should be, clearly. And and for those who didn't hear, when uh, Jeff was on, on the program that preceded ours, B&E, he was talking about Max Amos, the uh, Oral Roberts University point guard in the portal and on campus to visit the University of Texas, dinner with the team last night. I was at the ball game last night. Uh, there's Rodney Terry throughout the first pitch. What a first pitch it was. I, I love the, the um, shot that got tweeted out uh, by Texas baseball. I mean, it, it was completely through the follow-through. Yeah. Leg kick swung around. I mean, it looked – it looked almost like you know 1960 ish. A little, little, little birdie told me RT spent some time this week working on that. Yeah, okay. Wanted to make sure he put his best foot forward. So. Good point. That's a good idea. Good uh, RT always prepared, so uh, that's good. Uh, but I mean, that's the news where it is right now is that he's on campus and mm-hmm. that he is visiting. Yeah. And there's probably a good feeling uh, as he was here for the ball game last night, and um, they, they, they probably have a good feeling about the possible the prospect of him ultimately deciding to transfer to Texas. I think the big thing for Texas in this one, I think where at least when I started hearing that things were on that, on the Texas side starting to feel good when he left Manhattan, still not committed anywhere after his official to K-State because both those schools are offering pretty much the same deal. Like K-State, you look at Jerome Tang's roster, he's having to do the same thing second year in a row, basically do it from scratch all over again. You know, with Texas, where Texas loses Jabari Rice and Marcus Carr, K-State's losing Marquise Noel. So you, you have immediate playing time for a guard of Max Aspis's caliber. Craig, am I you watch enough college basketball. Am I out of line when I say if you put Max Aismas in the Big Twelve, he's he immediately comes into this league and is, you know, consider under consideration for Big Twelve player of the year, honors candidate type guy from day one? Well, I, I think he definitely has all the tools, the experience, uh the the game to be that kind of thing. Uh, the uh, the only thing I'm, I'm sure that folks always w- would be quick to remind us of is about all of the excitement and uh, the hype surrounding Tyrese Hunter when he first landed here. And it took a while 
for Tyrese to ramp into the deal. But I'm in complete agreement with you on what his game is and what his game can do uh, for uh, the University of Texas. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it has that kind of skill set, has that kind of uh, moxie, the, the, the headiness, uh, and, uh, and, and the experience. You give me a guy that averages for his career as a 21-point-per-game scorer, <clears throat> proven experience in the NCAA tournament, career 39% shooter from three, Averages almost three and a half rebounds a game for his career, so that means he tells you from the guard position he can rebound it fairly well. Uh, and then over three assists per game. So between he and if you get Tyrese Hunter back, that's you're in the running to have the best guard tandem in the Big Twelve. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on all of that. I would think. I mean, I would think U of H would have some consideration for that. Well, you know, adding L.J. Cryer. Yep. And you know, Texas hosted Jaden Nunn from VCU last weekend. He's committed to Baylor. And we talk about Baylor, Jacoby Walters, a true freshman, and, and Jaden Nunn, that's a pretty good backcourt. So yeah. It's 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 crazy, Craig, how this league, you know, so much roster turnover, yet the better teams in this league just reload and get after it the following year. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. Uh, on the Specs text line at 337-3776-512-337-3776, uh, our man CB says RT's first pitch was certainly better than that of Travis Kelsey. If you've seen the Travis Kelsey first pitch. Or Carl Lewis or yeah. 50 Cent. Yeah. 50 yeah. was well, – it wasn't real good. I, Carl Lewis might be the worst because I would expect one of the greatest athletes of our time to look more athletic than he did throwing that first pitch. Exceeded only by his singing of the national anthem. Well, I'll give him a pass on that because, I mean – That was horrible. That was, was awful. I mean <laughs> – if you you go back and look at that, like Derek Coleman's like laughing, trying to yeah. hold, try, he's trying to hold it back, and then he can't at some point. Oh like it was, gosh, that was all. It's brutal. Uh, uh, Purple Buffalo's daddy weighing in, Jeff, this morning. Said my fellow Gerald residency, Kobe Minchie looked good. He said go Cougs. He did say residency. He didn't say anything about graduate. Good because Kobe Minchie and his family have enough sense about them not to put their son through that education system in Gerald ISD. He has, he's going through the University of Texas education system right now and doing quite well. Uh, and it was a, a designated start, went three innings, and guys went, had a little bit of trouble in the third. And that, uh, we speculated about this before the top of the third started because remember the Longhorns were at bat for well in excess of 20 minutes because they scored eight in that inning. And there were six walks and a hit batter from Abilene Christian pitching uh, at that time. So it it was a long delay, and then he had a little bit of struggle. But he worked around it and and um, still, you know, uh, did not allow a run in the inning. You know the ebbs and flows of a college baseball season, Craig. Everybody was due for a midweeker like this. Yeah. Or just like at some point you're like, all right, let's just – Speed this thing along. Let's wrap it up. And I didn't. I did not. I honestly did not think that that was going to happen last night. Abilene Christian went in at twenty four yeah. and eleven. Had an RPI like with uh, Kansas State, uh, not that far behind Texas State and some others. It, it wasn't. Um, it, you know, it, they'd had some respectable performances, but uh, the pitching really struggled last night. And then the Longhorns did an excellent job defensively, and also uh, what they did. So. Um, yeah, it was it was uh, uh, it it was one that got away pretty quickly there. Um, <clears throat> anyway, um, somebody said the pitch was not on par with W. That's President Bush's pitch encumbered 
by a protective vest. Well, that might be the, that might be the most impactful first pitch yeah. in the history of baseball. So. Yeah, yeah, um, as meaningful first pitch. Yeah, uh, let's see. Said, uh, don't worry, guys. We won't bring up Cam's roster slip up yesterday. <laughs> Roos- I think I meant rooster slip up. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, and then somebody else uh, had texted in, and, and uh, I had originally thought I might had saved this story for an inconceivable. We've got we've got plenty to get to on inconceivable uh, today, including we've got more alligator activity. Except this time, it's alligator activity at my annual vacation spot. Oh yeah, yeah, at a store that I frequented. Several times, but we'll we'll get to that. But anyway, uh, the the we te- had the story. Cam and I did the story yesterday about a bear breaking into a car and drinking sixty nine cans of soda. <laughs> it's pounded some orange crush. There you go. We decided instead of cocaine bear, that's diabetes bear, which would not make near the the yep. blockbuster movie that cocaine bear. Has yeah, become. Elizabeth Banks might not be up for that one. Uh, there, uh, statement from the Oakland A's. Uh, this was this doesn't surprise anybody. Uh, there's been wink, wink, nudge, nudge for some time that Oakland is going to cast a longing look toward Las Vegas and see if they could get a brand new ballpark. And the statement that they released this morning said, "Quote: The A's have signed a binding agreement to purchase land for a future ballpark in Las Vegas." We realize this is a difficult day for our Oakland fans and community. For more than 20 years, the A's have focused on securing a new home for the club and have invested unprecedented time and resources for the past six years to build a ballpark in Oakland. Even with support from fans, leaders at the city, county, and state level, and throughout the broader community, the process to build a new ballpark in Oakland has made little forward progress for some time. Uh, we have made a strong and sincere effort to stay here. We recognize that this is very hard to to hear. We're disappointed that we have been unable to achieve our shared vision of a waterfront ballpark. As we shift our focus to Vegas, we will continue to share details about next steps. No surprise there. The A's are so in the span Vegas. of a few years, Oakland has gone from hosting three big three professional sports franchises to now they'll have zero. Yeah, they lost the Raiders to Vegas. Mm-hmm. The Warriors play in San Francisco now, mm-hmm. and now the A's are leaving. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, if you wanted to be cheeky, you could say, and John and the Bacon weigh in on this, but uh, in, in and uh, in fact, he just did. He said the A's are finally leaving of Oakland. Of course, they still may have to play three more seasons in that god awful stadium. Uh, my point was going to be the cheeky might say, "Have you been in Oakland lately?" Um, you know, I heard it described one time as Newark on the Bay, uh, the, the the way that the way that it is, and and so of course Newark has an NHL team. Well, it's uh, yeah, the that's, Prudential that's where the Center, that's yeah, where the that's Devils where the Devils play. play. You know, uh, when we went on that Cal trip a couple of years ago, yep. I, I stayed in Oakland, and it just didn't didn't do a whole lot for me. I have been a person who has never. Really, here's somebody said I was in Oakland last October, and the city of Oakland is rough looking. Yeah, so it was a little more uh, industrial, I guess. Might be I don't know if that's the right word than I was expecting. Yeah, L- let me say this. Um, this will take it back to twenty uh, four, uh, twenty fifteen, uh, the year 
that when Karen Aston was coaching the Texas women's team, they made their first Sweet 16 run under. Or, so in order to do that, they had to win two games in Cal. They beat Western Kentucky in the first round, and then they beat Cal, the four seed, and Texas is the five seed. They beat them in the second round there at Haas Pavilion. Um, on the off day in between the two games, the first round and the second round game, uh, I asked somebody where I could, uh, if there was a nearby coffee shop, I asked the hotel, and they said there's a Starbucks right around the corner. If you go down and take a left and blah, blah, blah. Well, they gave me the wrong direction, or I went out of the hotel the wrong way, but mm-hmm. I turned the wrong direction. All of a sudden, I'm walking, I'm walking, and all of a sudden I look around, I thought, I really don't want to be in this part of town. <laughs> this is uh, This is not good. I felt a little uneasy and was able to kind of wriggle my way back out of it so it was it's been tough and and as john in the bay points out as a bay area resident the age never really wanted to be here and the city never wanted to pay the bill it was a 20-year dance uh that they did you know and charlie finley moved him there in 1968 from kansas yep. city um kansas city is a great sports town and a great baseball town uh but he wouldn't put any money in the club to make him a winner and so the folks uh, got really disenchanted then, so he winds up moving. And then, of course, Major League Baseball turned right around and granted an expansion chi- franchise to Kansas City, and the Royals have done fine there ever since. But, yeah, it's it's been a rough go there in Oakland. Even when they were winning the, the three-peat of the World Championship, 72 through 74, uh, they struggle at times with attendance and certainly over the years. And then, of course, lately as the team has been non-competitive as it has been gutted uh, there. Uh, as tends tough. to happen. With the swing and A's. Yeah. Yeah. So they were the Philadelphia A's uh, under uh, the direction and later ownership with Connie Mack starting um, in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, all the way up to 1954. And uh, then they moved to Kansas City, and they were there, I guess, from 55 through 67, and then and then Oakland. But now it looks like they're going to be headed for Las Vegas. And uh, somebody else said, I remember my wife's from Oakland. Problems there forever. Nice hotels by Jack London Square, but no real advancement. Always fits and starts as they get terrible support. They should, the A's get terrible support. They should leave. So anyway, uh, somebody said, Oakland's more of a big neighborhood than a city. That's that's one good place. <laughs> the Newark airport is ugly. Yes, it is. <laughs> You've been to the Newark International Airport. I've never airport. been to Newark. Oh, you're missing out only on the East Coast, Only East Coast Airport I've been to is LaGuardia that's in that part of the country. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'll take y'all's word for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can take a word for it. I still can get over the possum story in the Oakland A's. Yeah, visiting, visiting, radio, yeah. R- r- visiting radio booth. The uh, possum that's made a home in there, and so they've had to move visiting radio broadcast into another area, right? Yeah, because apparently I believe the Angels were in there earlier either this season or last season, and during the game they look over and there's a, a possum crawling yeah. out of the woodworks. Yeah. Yeah. Any uh, any live animals in, in your broadcasting days you've seen in the booth, Craig? Uh, lots of roaches and bugs yeah. in different places. Yeah. Squirrels, raccoons, something like that? <sighs> Not in the booth. Not 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 in the booth. And as Robert and Gidding says, well, I reckon they can leave the possum alone. Yeah. Wasn't there a raccoon at Dishfalk a few years ago? Am I remembering yeah. that right? There was a possum. Was a possum? Yeah. Might have been a raccoon too, but I know there was a possum Man, well, running to, along the outfield wall. I seem to remember an incident involving a raccoon. Maybe I'm just misremembering that. Uh, may have been. I know there was a possum. Uh, I remember that. So, yeah. 
animals like stadiums. You well, know, they're they, spacious. A lot yeah, of spa- a lot of room to roam. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of places to hide. Place. Yes, and you can find you some food stuff. Exactly. Yeah. They like they like. I'll tell you what. I've seen no end. I've seen rats uh, in Oklahoma City at the Bricktown Ballpark. Plenty of places to yeah. do your business, if yep. you will. And yep. That's, it's yeah. like it's like heaven for wild game. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Gerald. For a minute, I have to well, I mean, that is the toilet of Texas. It's so. not the toilet of Texas. And, and by the way, I'm, I meant to do this yesterday. I, I was going to send this to you, and I didn't do this, and I should have. Um, but I, I I did not send this to you. And uh, I, as folks know, I was out yesterday, and I um, went to um, – I, I uh, took the opportunity. I was up in Waco. And uh, I went to uh, up to Waco to moderate a panel discussion with all the fame coaches. By the way, Tim Buchanan, Adelito, said to tell you hi. He's got some Florence, Texas background. Yes, there. Buck, good people. Um, and uh, I, I thought I'd taken a picture of this. Maybe I didn't. Uh, but there was <laughs> – uh, I – I needed to grab a cup of coffee when I left the house. Tell him, tell me you stopped in Gerald. I stopped at the McDonald's in Gerald. And, and, Are you uh, okay? I'm fine. Have you, were you vaccinated I'm, afterwards? Oh, no. It went just fine. Okay. I've I, made many a stops at the Gerald, the little gas station yeah. on the right side. It's a, ni- it's a nice I want to make sure, just get, make sure you get your shots before you roam through that part of Williamson See, County. Jeff conveniently glosses over the buildup the the uh, the the business buildup mm-hmm. that has taken place in Gerald that has outpaced your hometown. That ain't that's not true, Gerald people though that are building that stuff. It's outsiders, but it's still for the community. Well, there, and you still have that. There's a nice Dairy Queen there, but you still got to get the uh, you know the people that were born and raised in Gerald to understand about the fancy eating places and things like indoor plumbing and how to wash your hands oh and sanitary conditions and. <laughs> so he said, "Come on, Jeff. The toilet of Texas is Houston. Gerald is just a urinal." Uh, All right, I, I see that coming from a DFW area coach. Somebody else said, "If if Jeff keeps talking about Gerald like that, they're going to build another loop around Florence." <laughs> uh, Whatever yeah. keeps the Gerald riffraff out, I'm all for. Oh gosh. Uh, hey, somebody said, "Hey, we have New York City sized rats at the ballpark in Oklahoma City. I've seen them." They are there. I've seen them. I have seen them. I have. Uh, of course, rodents can occupy spaces in Gerald. We have the rat pee gym as a perfect example of how rats or vermin can occupy a building. Somebody said, Canyon Lake is my Gerald. It's horrible. <laughs> See, everybody has said, you know, as my dad so eloquently put it many years ago, every man has his own sack of rocks to tote. So, and, and meaning your your own burdens, your own responsibilities, your own guilt, your own pleasures, uh, and your own preferences and and uh, and aggravations. It's not well. my fault. Everybody that lives in Gerald is somewhere along in their family tree. Someone made a horrible decision to settle there. So that's not my fault. Don't blame that on me. People are still settling there and are continuing to settle there, and it's growing. And it's unfortunate. <laughs> Coming- you got outsiders mixing with the locals, and it's just it's a. It's a melting pot uh, that's got some very unusual ingredients to it. This is a uh, this is a definite dead end discussion. All right, we're when we come back, we're.
Y'all want me to talk about Kevin Garnett and Tim Duncan again? Or? There we go. I'm stay on Gerald. There we go. All right. Uh, we're going to uh, transition into the Longhorn Notebook. We'll do that when we come back. Here on Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower. We're just jamming along here on a uh, Thursday on Light the Tower on the Horn. Jeff will be out uh, tomorrow. Appreciate Jeff and Cam holding things down yesterday when I was out. Um, Gene Watson will be with us for our weekly visit tomorrow on the program, talk Major League Baseball, the assistant general manager of the Kansas City Royals. Uh, Get his thoughts on that Max Scherzer thing and the stickiness, the substance, the glove, the hand. The umpire said it was so prolific that his fingers were sticking together <laughs> when Scherzer was saying, no, 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 it's just rosin. That's all it is. Uh, and uh, and this announcement about the A's planning to move to Vegas. So we'll uh, we'll talk to Major League Baseball and the, those Texas Rangers who have been playing really well. So... Uh, we'll uh, visit with him tomorrow on the program. Right now, it's time for a Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Which direction are we Yeah, we're talking NFL Draft. Yeah. And uh, there's an ESPN.com story today on, on Bijan, and I won't get into it, but there was one there was one line in there that kind of just jumped out at me, and it was something along the lines of, he's a generational back for the wrong generation. And I think it, that depends on how you look at it. Wrong in terms of how the NFL values the running back position? Yeah, because if this was 15 years ago, Bijan would be in the mix for the number one overall pick because running backs just were valued differently at that point. But in terms of how he fits in today's NFL, he's the perfect fit at running back for today's NFL. When you look at all the ways he can impact the football game, he can fit into any scheme, whether you're – Zone schemes, gap schemes, whatever predominant scheme you like to feature on the ground, he can do that. We've seen him be a pass blocker. We've seen him catch the ball out of the backfield. We've seen him line up at various wide receiver positions. He can line up out wide. You can put him in the slot. He's going to walk in day one and be in the the discussion to have the best hands on your team. So in terms of the modern-day NFL running back, absolutely 100% he fits in with this generation and, and what you need to do to succeed in today's NFL. What's interesting is you look at his draft projections, and I'm looking at the late two mocks from CBS Sports. One was put out yesterday by Ryan Wilson, and one was published today by Chris Trapasso. The Ryan Wilson mock draft has Bijan going where I think a lot of people have mocked him, 27 to the Bills, Yeah, which then that brings in the Cowboys discussion, and we can certainly go down that road if you gentlemen want to. But Chris Trapasso released a mock draft today, guys, that has Bijan Robinson going eighth overall to the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. And the the basis of that ESPN article, a lot of it, it revolves around the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. Which if you look at the Eagles, they got two picks in the first round. They've got number 30 and number 10. And, you know, the Eagles, 
Is it fair to say, Craig, running back is probably the one position that they really need to address? Yeah, that's a, that's a neat area. Uh huh. Even for a defending NFC champion. Uh huh. If, if if you're the Eagles and you look at your needs, you look at your roster, and you're one piece away, you're legitimately one piece away from getting over the top and winning a world championship. That's when I think it's okay to take a running back really high in the first round, because regardless of that money you're going to pay Bijan, and I think you've got to look at the the whole body of work with Bijan too, the character and everything you're going to get from him. It's not like he's he's a guy. He doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to get like two years into this deal and then want to renegotiate. Like he he's going to be paid fairly according to the rookie wage scale and play out that rookie contract. Well, if you're the Eagles and you exercise, let's say you exercise the option. Chances are you're going to get the five best years of B. John Robinson's career, mm-hmm. most likely. So if you're one, and my thing is when you're the Eagles, it, it rem- all I kept thinking about as I was reading the story, and it was centered around the Eagles, and everybody knows how much I hate the Eagles, so it kind of pains me to, to project, <laughs> B, to talk about B. John and the Eagles in the slide. I kept thinking about the Bill Parcells line from that old NFL films video, like, hey, this is why you lift all the yeah, weights. This is why yeah. you do that stuff. This is why you acquire all that draft capital. This is why you make all those trades, is to put yourself in a position to make a move like this. And if if running back is the one position that they really need to address, and, and B, you think Bijan is the piece that puts you over the top, then take him at 10. Because guess what? He's not going to be there at 30, nope. and it's going to cost you way more draft capital to move up to go get him in the late teens or early 20s where you would need to move up to go get him. Because I guarantee you, like, when you look at realistic places where he can start coming off the board, and for me, like, again, the Chargers at 21 is the place where I've kind of looked at is the point where you can start to maybe see him coming off the board. I think maybe even maybe even Detroit at 18. If, the, if it's the Eagles specifically and you're trying to move back up, I think the Bills are in the same boat too because I think you can argue that the Bills are a dynamic running back away from getting over the top yep. and winning a Super Bowl. Or at least getting there, and and you know take your chances when you get there. If they're trying to move up, if I'm Detroit or Seattle, Tampa at 19, Seattle at 20, Chargers at 21, and I've got Buffalo or the Eagles trying to move up to my spot, I know who they're moving up to get. And yeah, I'm gonna milk all the draft capital I can out of that. Like yeah, give me a give me your one, give me give me 30 or give me 27, give me your three this year and the two next year. And you can move up and have this. And but, is a team going to be willing to do that? Because that's a lot of draft capital to give up. So, and and basically, just to reiterate, for hopeful or long-suffering Dallas Cowboys fans, short of making a trade to move well up in the pecking order, you're not going to get B. John Robinson. All, all of that stuff that we saw for a while, ah, it might be there at, you know, at 26, all that, that, that kind of stuff. No. I think I've, I've heard a lot of Cowboys draft people have the discussion about Bijan. Yeah, and I'm thinking I, I think this is all moot. I yeah. think you guys are wasting breath because I don't think. Look, if he's there at 26, as a Cowboys fan, that's the scenario where I would not have a problem with them taking Bijan Robinson because they mm. do have some other needs. You're right. Tight end is a need. Yep. You need to start to rebuild that offensive line. You've got other needs, but if you haven't made any moves. And you just let the board fall to you, and he's there at twenty six. Yeah, obviously, I'd take him in a heartbeat. Yeah, but he's not going to be there. He is not going to be there at twenty six. We've seen we've seen stranger things happen. I don't I don't think so either, Craig. But we've seen stranger things. Normally, when you see something like that happen, when there's been that precipitous a drop, it's because they've discovered something about the prospect. 
something or, internal, something something away from the field, and everybody knows you know what this guy is made of, not only as a football player but as a human being. I, I'll disagree with you on, on – I think that's almost a case-by-case basis because like you go back to Aaron Rodgers, right? Once he fell, I think – I forget the exact order of that draft. Once he fell, I think it was Cleveland at five. Once he got past there, maybe it was Cleveland or Tampa at five. Once he got past there – you didn't really get to anybody before Green Bay that needed a quarterback. Everybody either had high price quarterbacks, they had young they had rookie young quarterbacks on on rookie deals, or mm-hmm. they had a situation where they just signed a veteran because you had a head coach who might be coaching for his job the following year and didn't need to take a rookie quarterback. Or you had an entrenched starter and with before the rookie wage scale, it wouldn't make any sense to to spend a first round contract on a quarterback. I totally agree with all of that. Here here's where I would say that differs. I think quarterback is the one position that's the outlier about that because okay. because folks are and we're seeing it happen again. Folks are consistently draft people, analysts, and media, but mainly draft people are looking for what's wrong at this point in the deal. That whole business with Brady Quinn and uh, what, what what he was saying about C.J. Stroud, it's ridiculous. If you have followed that lately, Ryan Clark just lightsabered Brady Quinn <laughs> for what he was saying about C.J. Stroud for, quote-unquote, standing up the Mannings, you know, stiffing the Mannings, not showing up for them when he, when he let them know he was not going to be coming. Uh, there, that's that's somebody fishing for something yeah. at that point, and I think that that sort of fishing happens with quarterbacks far more than I agree any other position. Yeah, I agree with you, hundred um, percent. But, but you know, with Bijan, I mean, I don't. There's not really a position group either, Craig, that you look at and say, okay, there's going to be a run on on this certain position where teams feel the need to move up. I think this is a pretty deep draft where. If you're Dallas or Buffalo, Cincinnati at 28, the Saints at 29, I think you can hang back and get the guy. I agree. Get somebody that's pretty high up on your board. So I don't I'm with I'm with you in terms of I don't think Bijan drops to 26 because I don't see there being that much vo- now, look, we could see it totally change. I don't get the vibe that there's going to be a ton of volatility in this draft. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. I just don't see this being one of those drafts where you see just a ton of movement in the first round. No, I I, I agree with you there. And and folks can, to your point, fill their need areas or at least address some of the need areas without having to make a gigantic move up or down. The ones who have made the moves clearly are doing it, like Carolina, with one guy in mind. And so yeah. with that, that being the case – you understand that, but but I think every I think everybody else is is just going to wait and see best available guy on I, the board as I it falls to them. I don't think it's it's the I don't think it's the running back production that has people nervous about taking it back in the first round. I think there's two things that really compound things for Bijan. One is I think you look at the character issues Zeke Elliott had early in his career, where there were people telling the yeah. Cowboys, "Yeah, he, he's talented enough to go this high." You, you probably want to think really hard before you take this guy yep. this high. That's correct. And the Cowboys found that out when he had that long suspension that probably cost him a playoff spot and then wanted to renegotiate the contract, and then you got into that contract from hell that you just now were able to get out from under. And then if Saquon Barkley doesn't have an injury, because I think what you've seen, pre-injury and post-injury, Saquon Barkley's pretty damn good. Yep. So I think had you not had those two instances, I mean, Christian McCaffrey was a high pick and the 49ers gave up stuff to go get him. Craig, you watch probably more NFC West football than anybody I know. I think that ended up being a pretty good fit, Christian yep. McCaffrey with the Niners. Yep, yep. So Bijan, without question, is talented enough to go in the first round. But if I'm the Eagles, 
if I'm their front office, I, I think really hard about taking him at 10 because I think it's going to cost you way too much to move up from 30, 10 or so spots you would need to move up to go get him. I just take him at 10 and say he's good enough and we feel like this is the piece that puts us over the top to help us win a Super Bowl. That I agree with, no doubt about it. All right, uh, coming up next, uh, we'll have Inconceivable. Jeff's going to like this one because there's a good animal compliment in this. Uh, Is it animal doing people type things? Uh, there's there's one thing that's that's because I had a blast with bears drinking soda yesterday. Yeah, uh, it, it's almost like that. And there's there's another wrinkle into that we're going to get to as well. Uh, Cam up. and I had fun with that yesterday. You a bear like get an orange crush and just pop in the top, and he's got his little comic book just kind of sitting. So prop, was it was propped it, up against the car? Was it, was it just a generic orange soda, or was it an actual orange crush? Uh, I, 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 the story said orange crush specifically because that's my all time favorite soft drink. Yeah. Orange Crush specifically. Yeah. But apparently the bear uh, left the scene when he they found a couple of cans of diet soda open. Yeah. And apparently that's when he'd had enough. Yeah. It was on the diet soda. It was like, not for me. <laughs> See, bear and I are thinking on the same. Who who do you know that's a huge diet Coke drinker? Is it Shoning that's a huge diet Coke And Roger drinker? Wallace. Roger is too. Okay. I thought mm-hmm. Roger was Coke Zero for some reason. But. Uh, if that is all that's available. Well, Roger's a big diet Coke guy. That's he's a diet coke P one. So he is. He and Shoning both. They're both big. They'll they'll they'll. So Bill just crush them during a broadcast. Yep. Yep. Roger too. Really. Yep. Mm-hmm. If if it's available, okay. if it's available, man. Uh huh. But it, but Shoning would just slam them down. I was like, <laughs> from all that carbonation and that syrup on your vocal cords, and you do that, but he undaunted. Would go forward, you know. He was, he's, yeah. He's been doing it at that level that long for a yeah, reason. Yeah, for a reason, absolutely. All right, uh, we'll continue to light the tower on the horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the horn app and at hornfm.com. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. Yeah, well, we've Shout got a Shout out to the purple first. cups in the break room, by the way. Yeah. Still going hard. Official colors of... You know, Florence. Yeah, ours is a little darker purple than that. This is more like a K State purple. Yeah, it is. It's it's almost lavender. Mm-hmm. It's it it is. Uh, kind of, the Florence purple is more like a TCU purple. It's a darker, yeah. darker shade. Okay, um, I got several things to get to. Several of them. First of all, is a submission from my wife who wanted specifically you to see this. This was on Instagram. You still have a rabbit, right? Yeah. How's a rabbit doing? I may post a I may post an Instagram yeah. video of my daughter walking the rabbit with a harness and leash the other day in the yard. Okay. So here's the next step for for Charlotte since she's already got what's your rabbit's name? Parsley. Parsley on a leash and walking. How about the rabbit jumping? Obstacles. <laughs> that's somebody on Instagram there. Just walking around the rabbits, jumping obstacles. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, just 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 jumping all kinds of things. <laughs> so that's the next step. Uh, Good to know. Yeah. So uh, so there's that. Uh, that's important. Uh, secondly, and um, this was something my brother sent to me because this went straight to. Um, uh, my situation uh, of going where I go on vacation every year. And folks know I go to the coast of North Carolina. 
and I'm planning to go again this summer. Well, uh, the headline read, Police Remove Six-Foot Alligator from a Store Entrance on the North Carolina Coast. Now, what are the, do you know off the top of your head what the laws are on killing alligators in the state of North Carolina? Can't do it. Okay. Can't do it. And They're a protected species? Yes. Uh, and they're all over the place. You play golf at many of the hundred-some-odd golf courses up and down the Grand Strand area. They're out there. There's even a little sign saying, you know. Beware of gators. Beware of gators. You know, they usually just hang out by the pond. They kind of keep themselves. Yeah, we, we, Cam and I, I we talked about this. It's kind of like uh, the snake sign around here. Yeah. Like, hey, just be advised. Know where yeah, you are. Yeah, they're in the neighborhood. This happened in Sunset Beach, North Carolina, where I go on vacation. Uh, police officers at the North Carolina coast had to move a six-foot alligator away from the front door of a business. The complaint came on Friday afternoon about an alligator at the entrance of Coastal Outfitters located on the mainland at Sunset Beach. It, uh, Linda and I shopped there. Maybe he, needed, Coastal maybe he needed some board shorts. You can get them there. <laughs> and you can get the, the, the flip-flops. Nice, nice and pair of sunglasses. Beach chairs. And he's just hanging out down there. I mean, that's where it's a nice one of flowered shirt. You've been you've been to Galveston many times. You've seen wings. <laughs> yeah. restoring, okay, wings started on the North Carolina coast uh, okay. there in the Myrtle Beach area as what was originally Kings and then Wings. Uh, so that's where it is. So they have a Wings in Galveston, and and that's what that kind of is. That's what, okay. it's, it's a beach store like that. So he just and it's a go, newer he, one. Want to get him a straw hat and some sunglasses and just hang. Just make sure he was protected from the sun. Said when officers arrived, the alligator was concealing himself under several display chairs where the customers enter and exit the business. And somebody going, let me see how this chair fits. It sits down and he's under the chair. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they had to get him out from under there. Six foot gator sounds like nothing to be trifled with. Here's remember we were talking about jobs, dirty jobs, good jobs, the mic, micro jobs. Yeah. One of the officers, Lee Hall, is licensed with the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission and is trained and certified to remove nuisance alligators. Here's my question. How about that for a job? So like Texas game wardens, do they do all game wardens have to be able to because we have alligators in Texas. Yes, we do. do. They have to be trained on how to do that specifically or, or like yeah. is that across the board like game wardens have to be able to do that? Well, this dude is licensed and trained and certified to remove nuisance alligators. That's what I mean. Like, do do, do the game or does the game warden have to call somebody? Do you have to call the get bring in, the, We get, we got to bring in an expert. Get the crocodile Dundee line and call the gator expert. Well, it's this whole and other officers managed to grab the gator. They put him in the back of a pickup truck and they drove him off. Can you imagine that dude flopping around in the back of your truck? If I put it in the back of my truck from Leaf Johnson Ford, I'd, I'd be a little bit concerned. Said out of concern for the, the nails, nails might scratch the bed. Yeah. yeah, out of concern for the safety of the business owners, customers, and the alligator was safely relocated to a nearby pond in Sunset Beach. Says it's a relatively new building. I can tell you how new it is. It's it's not even quite four years old. Um, the, the first time Linda went to the beach with me in 2019, the store had just opened. She went, oh, I want to go in there. And I was like, okay. So we went in there. It's the first time we went in. So the store's not even four years old. That's why it said relatively new. There's a lot of older shops there. Police reminded people that if they spot an alligator potentially endangering people, to call the Sunset Police Department uh, there. So they're all around the area. When I, when um, I was telling Linda about this, she goes, well, 
they just let him go in a pond? I'm like, well, yeah, they're protected, so they just go. There's lots of ponds and inland areas, and they, like I yeah. said, they largely keep to themselves. So, at the risk of offending truck guys, Craig, you're a truck guy. You got the truck from yeah. Johnson Ford. By the way, I saw a record number of trucks in one parking lot yesterday at that speaking uh, engagement. With a bunch of coaches, who would have thought? And and insurance agents. Okay. Um, I've never understood why you buy a truck and and the people that get really worried that, like, the truck bed's going to get scratched. What's the point of owning a truck? You get a truck to... In theory, because it it makes stuff easier to move. You have to use stuff that will, ergo, scratch the bed. Yeah, I've never understood why I've been around some people that get so offended when the truck, like, don't scratch the bed. I'm like, I'm moving a couch. You think I care about your truck bed right now? Yeah. I'm more worried about my back and knees than your truck bed. All right, I got one more animal story for you. Uh, Let me ask our producer, Cameron Parker, a question first. Cam, um, you're... You're a little bit of a video gamer, aren't you? You're a gamer, aren't you? Used to be hardcore. Okay. Now, less and less. Uh, some Tiger, Tiger Woods golf? Oh, yeah. Uh, do you have or did you have at any point a Nintendo Switch? No. Okay. I was I was strictly Xbox, Xbox okay. 360, Xbox One. Well, Nintendo Switch now has added a game that apparently was available in the past. This, uh, this game is called Animal Shelter Simulator. Animal Shelter Simulator, uh, and and what it basically is is you're um, you're running an animal shelter. So uh, it's it what you're trying to do is feed the dogs, and um, then uh, it shows the simulator shows the uh, somebody cleaning up like the dog poop shoveling poop yeah yeah poop scooping. This is a game. It's a game. That sounds like the most boring game ever. Yeah. Why would you do that? I have to scoop dog poop in my yard for real. Like, I, why would I want to do it on a video game? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Animal Shelter Simulator, and they also have a game called Road Builder, Builder that's on Nintendo Switch. But this, um, this Animal Shelter game, I mean, it just shows that people like taking care of Dogs. I wonder if it's from the same developers that make the farming simulator game. Well, Linda asked me a similar question. She said, "You know that because they also have the, there's a road builder thing and 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 that and that deal too." And she asked me a very similar question about that. And I said, "Well, I can get that, but it says taking care of your four-legged charges and finding the best possible homes for them." And I said, "So that's really a game." Taking care of an animals an animal shelter simulator. That playing that interests me about as much as getting a colonoscopy, and at least the colonoscopy can judge my health. So there's something somewhat rewarding at the end. Animal shelter. Now look, I know when I had the original Nintendo, there was a game called Paperboy, and I had it. And folks would say, "Well, what's the point about that? All you're doing yeah, is but you just could to dodge obstacles and stuff. Get to dodge like, dogs yeah. and the lady with the rolling no, paper pen. Paperboy was good back in the and, day. And you got to land the paper on the board. So there's some dexterity involved yeah. but with this that. This is just this is taking care of dogs, finding them good homes. You know. So let's see. When I was a kid, all the olds y'all knocked Mortal Kombat and all the fun games we were playing, and now this is what we have. Well, that's what Linda said. She said, you know, like when you played Galaga, I'm like, yeah, we're wiping out aliens and yeah. saving the galaxy. 
she said, well, you know, this is games have changed. I said, clearly. They have. Trying to defeat Goro. Like, yeah. Save the world. Absolutely. Shang Tsung taking it over. Instead Important here. stuff. Trying now to make... scoop dog crap. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. So. Just, just like Scorpion, you hit that toasty move where you burn people. Hold yeah. Yeah. Put off. Uh, somebody said, is the name of the game called Give Me Shelter? No, it's not. Finish him. Not named after the Rolling Stones song. So, yeah. There, there it is. All right. <laughs> Hour number two of Light the Tower coming up on the horn.